I'm up early as usual as the sky begins to lighten, and I eat as I pack and wonder if maybe going forward in my backpacking career, I forego a stove altogether. Stuffing the kitchen in blueberry, my new granite gear pack, I realize I left my pot, my filter, and the water bottle down on the rocks by the dock. Boy, the foxes are such thieves. I hope they're still there. It's dead quiet, even on the dive boat. And I see a bit of bright blue tucked into the rocks. And the kit, it's right there where I left it. And what a gift to come down here in this moment. Something I would have missed had I not left the filter. A magical sunrise at the end of the long cove. Perfect reflections of the boreal forest in still water turning orangey-yellow. You're listening to The P-Rag, Unfiltered Adventures of the Blissful Hiker. I'm Allison Young, the Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. Like that small backpacking essential, the P-Rag shares the unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment as badass people who really don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey we call life. Thanks so much to Leckie Trekking Poles for supporting the P-Rag podcast. If you want to be a blissful hiker, Leckie's should be in your hands. And Belega, makers of the best blister-resist, non-slouching, foot-massaging socks for the long haul. We do have a Belega Socks contest going on right now. You can win three pairs of socks for the best comment at Apple Podcasts. Now, I so appreciate all of you who've written such glowing responses to the P-Rag. So what you got to do is take a screenshot of your review, tag Blissful Hiker, and post it to social media. The deadline to enter is Monday, September 28th. I'm walking the length of Isle Royale, a national park and wilderness surrounded by the icy water of Lake Superior. It's one of the most pristine places I've visited, even though it's accessible by boat, plane, and there are shelters and some campsites to sleep in. But I've seen more wildlife in a few short days than many longer trips I've taken, including seven moose so far. Like a lot of trails, though, it's a green tunnel for miles, and I walk in and out of swampy, mosquito-infested, brackish wetlands along usually sturdy boardwalks. Frogs leap out of my way. A swan lets out a car horn honk that would make Gershwin proud. A rabbit jumps through the path, and I wonder, how on earth did a rabbit get here? I walk close to the western shore of Chickenbone Lake. It's long and L-shaped. It was obviously not named by the natives. The sights are lovely right on the water, but I continue passing portages on steep, rocky grade. At Lake Ritchie, a sign tells me there's an algae bloom here, so not to drink or wash. Apparently, no filter can clean water with an algae bloom. I meet some people coming my way, One who tells me she has the exact same buff I'm wearing in my hair. Another asks if I've seen moose yet. I hold back telling him I've seen seven already. You will, I tell him with a hopeful smile. I promise. This hike is not fast. It's not hard, and really I don't walk that many miles. 
I arrive at Mosky Basin midday, and it's likely due to this weird summer and COVID closing things down. It's totally deserted. And again, the very best shelter, shelter number two, is available. I think of that line from Sally Coslow. She was the editor of Mademoiselle. She says, learn to recognize good luck when it's waving at you, hoping to get your attention. I take the shelter, grateful for all the good luck that's been waving at me this whole hike. Mosky Basin is at the western end of Rock Harbor and part of Lake Superior, but the water is a teensy bit warmer than 45 degrees. I sit on the rock shelf in the sun with my feet soaking. A brown toad lies next to me in the sun before shimmying towards cooler moss. Crickets hop with loud clicks. Butterflies land in my drying socks, their long tongues uncoiling to suck out the salt. No one's here, so I take advantage and strip down to nothing. But I've never been much of a diver right in, and it's a slow process for me. My bottom on the sloping algae-covered rock, with one foot in a crack below the surface, holding me steady so I don't slide all the way down before I'm good and ready. Finally, I dunk under with a scream and scratch my scalp clean with my nails. I was tentative at first to go in, but glad I did, feeling so refreshed. But what's this on my legs? Pine needles? Pine needles that are moving. Oh my God, leeches. Hundreds of them. Tiny, wriggling strips of mucus suction tightly to my legs. I try to pull one off and eat suctions directly to my fingers. Oh, oh God. I can feel their little bite as they dig in. It's a nightmare of African queen proportions. I purposely don't take all that much with me when I backpack, but I do have a mini Swiss Army knife with tweezers. Well, it's a two-step operation, pulling each one off as they stretch out, still suction to me. Once they release, I have to take a small piece of wood to remove them from the tweezers and then rub them onto the rock. Okay. Okay, okay. I think I have them all off my legs, but let's just make sure. I check my calves and the creases behind my knees, and then I go between my toes, one after another. Had I mentioned already that these little nasties are green? Not when they're full of blood. God. On my right foot, between my pinky and fourth toe, it's a war zone. A pile of red bloated leeches squirming in that tiny crevice. Okay. I pick them off one at a time, and each one bursts with my fresh blood. Well, there's only one thing to do right now. Just take the rest of the afternoon off, lie in the sun, and read my book. The book I packed is probably one of the best I've ever read. Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird, Some Instructions on Writing and Life. Listen to this graph. Writing and reading decrease our sense of isolation. They deepen and widen and expand our sense of life. They feed the soul. When writers make us shake our heads with the exactness of their prose and their truths, and even make us laugh about ourselves or life, our buoyancy is restored. We are given a shot at dancing with, or at least clapping along with, the absurdity of life instead of being squashed by it over and over again. 
It's like singing on a boat during a terrible storm at sea. You can't stop the raging storm, but singing can change the hearts and spirits of the people who are together on that ship. Well, I'm dressed now when the two guys in shelter number three return and take their swim. I warn them about the leech swarm, but they just jump right in fast and not one leech latches on. And as Anne Lamott writes, I just gotta laugh at the whole absurdity of it. And for my second swim, I jump right in. You're listening to The P-Rag, Unfiltered Adventures of the Blissful Hiker. Through sharing my stories of walking long distance and some shorter trails as a solo middle-aged female hiker, I hope I can empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. And thanks so much to all of you who've left reviews at Apple Podcasts. I really love reading all of them, and you're helping people find the P-Rag. So as a way of saying thanks for writing a review, Belega Socks and I have teamed up to give you a chance to win three pairs of socks. All you got to do is take a screenshot of your review, post it on social media, and tag Blissful Hiker. And the very best reviewer will win three pairs of Belega Socks. The deadline is Monday, September 28th. More hikers arrive at Mosky Basin, boisterous door slammers. But you know, you can't really blame them. They're excited to be here. But it kind of causes me to need a little bit of space. Our shelters are all right up at the water's edge, and they're kind of close together. So rather than complain, I get up and move. And I walk over towards the dock, which looks directly west down the bay. And the huge exposed Canadian shield, bright yellow goldenrod bursting out of fissures, sage-colored lichen holding fast to the granite. Funny, it's really a better view from here as I mosey out on the concrete dock where a picnic table sits at the end. A plastic orange netting is placed beyond the table, keeping people from the end of the dock, which has been cracked and damaged by ice. Something black is on the end. I walk closer to the table, and I see that it's an animal. It's an otter. This otter is a fat little fellow, his fur slick and lustrous as he busily cleans himself, biting and scratching, maybe removing leeches. He doesn't seem to mind my sitting here at the picnic table and watching him, looking up every so often out of his squinty eyes and a silver bewhiskered face, his nose turned up and his mouth in a sort of permanent scowl. A jumbo bright green dragonfly comes close to me, then close to him as if to introduce us. A loon tremolos, her mate flying across to meet her. A huge silver fish launches out of the water, and then I see another otter swimming quickly towards the dock. Just when I think, how on earth did the otter get up on this dock? In one motion, he flops all that blubbery body right up, and the two seem to dance into a kind of cuddle, then get right back to cleaning, the new one's fur all spiky from the water. I don't know if he sees me, but the new arrival doesn't stick around long and flops right back into the water, swimming fast to the shore, his butt an enormous tail in the air momentarily before he dunks under. 
Then my otter leaves too, a little bit slower, spending even more time underwater. But I can see his bubbles as he retreats. I eventually leave, walking back up to the rocks above the dock and startle a snake who slithers directly towards me. My view is three-sided of a magenta sunset, its afterglow and the waxing gibbous moon reflected in the ripples. A pileated woodpecker laughs, sandhill cranes clack, and wolves yip far in the distance. The magic of this place is that it's a living world where we're just visitors. Interesting fun fact is Isle Royale is the only national park that closes in the winter, and I imagine the residents are just fine with that. I've never seen such an abundance, and I feel privileged and humbled to be a guest here as I tuck in, the loon's calls echoing over the water, and someone swimming nearby. It's funny that when I awaken, it's as though the sky had never gone to sleep. Orange, magenta, lavender, and pink in a swirl of color, so present and overwhelming, I feel bathed in its glow. I suddenly remember that wise old saying about red skies in the morning, sailors take warning. This glorious morning is going to be followed by rain. I'm back on wooden planks over Leatherleaf and Labrador Tea, threatening to overtake the bog. It leads me to Dense Forest and finally Daisy Farm, a massive campground of 16 shelters abutting a cove where two sailboats of different sizes await their sailors. I get briefly lost, but soon find the trail heading up to Mount Ojibwe. The trail winds around steeply, finally meeting the Greenstone Ridge. And the views are spectacular, even more so from the tower, where 59 steps take me to a walkway. I can look straight down the island's spine, thick with balsam fir and white spruce. Inland lakes lay below the ridge, and a carpet of green, the big lake beyond. The wind picks up, and the sky feels heavy with moisture. I throw blueberry on my back and continue along the trail towards Mount Franklin, bearberry thick with red berries growing into my path. At the mountain, I meet a couple having a snack at the view, which looks down to where I'll sleep tonight. They shock me with their story that a moose charged them, splashing through a lake to get to them. What did you do? They tell me they ran. And when the moose got to shore, he seemed to have changed his mind and went another direction. Well, I'm extra vigilant as I head toward the turnoff for Lane Cove, a steep, oftentimes washed-out set of switchbacks heading back deep into forest of paper birch and aspen. It's an undulating trail, much like what I've already seen. So my mind wanders, thinking about this being my final night on the trail, and that I can't possibly expect to bat a thousand and yet again sleep in the very best site. But here I am, and the place is deserted. Site two, the best spot, is right on the cove, a tiny set of stairs taking me to the water's edge and a perfectly placed sitting rock. I don't go swimming, but I dive into the alley coop as it begins to rain, and as it tapers off, I emerge in rain gear, only a few droplets making rings in the placid lake. My dragonflies are back. Loons call across the cove. 
A family of mergansers swim by as smoothly as Saint-Saëns' swan. A wise person told me once to recognize when things are wonderful and enjoy them fully because they won't last. The point was not so much that joy is fleeting as to remember when times are tough that joy will return. As the sun slips below the spruce-covered finger of land in front of me, I savor these past days and all the light shows at sunrise and sunset, some dramatic, some quiet like now in cantaloupe and silver. I breathe it in, and in the dark, a few stars poking out of the clouds. I head back to my tent. You can win three pairs of Bolega socks by posting a review of the P-Rag at Apple Podcasts. Just write a review, take a screenshot, post it to social, and tag me, Blissful Hiker. A shout-out to Lecky Trekking Poles for supporting the P-Rag podcast. If you want to be a blissful hiker, Lecky's should be in your hands. You can listen to more episodes of the P-Rag, where I complete the first section of the Te Araroa, New Zealand's long pathway. It's all at the website, blissfulhiker.com. Next week, I'll actually be away walking another trail in Minnesota up in the Boundary Waters Wilderness area. We're going to round out this hike and then move on to the Kekakabic Trail. Until then, my friends, happy trails.